Welcome back to another episode of Agile Way podcast, where we explore challenges organizations face on their Agile journey. How to become great Scrum Master, how to change your leadership style, or how to embrace agility at the organization level. I'm Suzy Shukova, Agile coach, certified Scrum trainer, and author of the great Scrum Master book and Agile leader book, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm passionate about business agility, organizational culture, and Agile leadership, and that was the reason why I decided to start this podcast, to share with you my experiences and stories from my Agile journey. For the third series of this podcast, I'm inviting speakers of Agile Prague Conference so they can introduce their topics and they can also share with us a little bit about themselves and what they see happening in an Agile space. If you want to hear more, we would invite you for Agile Prague Conference September 19, 2022. Well, hello, everybody. I, today I have here Serge. He is uh, from the US, uh, one of our speakers for Agile Prague Conference. And I have this first question for you. What are you currently passionate about in Agile space? Experientially, it's always about growing and sharing knowledge. And it fascinates me. Like a few weeks ago, I was speaking to a group of teams around how do we define work effort? And we actually expanded on a definition I have that I've been using we actually expanded on it. It's like, that's the that's what I really love about the Agile space. You never ever finish learning or adopting a perspective. Um, and currently, currently my entire, you could say, I've been following a certain uh, framework uh, since 2015. It's been around for over 30 years. It's Harvard-based, and it's what I'm going to be speaking to. It is a framework that I think is missing in the Agile space, and, it, and that's what I've been passionate about, and it's about how do leaders create the conditions for high performance? And, it, and people go, well, how does, does that have anything to do with Agile? It has everything to do with Agile. But what separates Agile, the Agile world that a lot of people uh, keep in their mind and perspective is that this goes beyond process. This says the Agile coaches and Agile leaders should be focused on creating the conditions for any team to collaborate brilliantly. The conduit are the agile processes. And so that's been my world. Even right now, I'm on an engagement and I'm slowly getting leadership buy-in to take a step back and think about what are the conditions that our organization has in place for the agile transformation and adoption to accelerate and be successful. So what's the most difficult for those leaders when you like work with them and introducing them to your framework? So what's the most difficult for them to understand or embrace? 
that they need to put time into to not only measuring the conditions in their current state, but it is not process driven. So it is, it, you need an experienced coach, team coach, um, where we call it in my, in my realm, it's systemic coaching. And um, you need that person to come in and work with teams, top teams, mid teams, even delivery teams throughout the organization to begin having the teams create, to, to begin creating these conditions. These six conditions, it's been big data proven, it's scientific research that's been going on at Harvard for 30, 50 years. Um, it's, not, it's not this fluffy stuff. People say a lot of this is fluffy and it's, it's not. And what's great is it's measurable. And so many leaders in the agile world of transformation are always saying, how do I know that I'm getting a return on my investment? How do I know that we're moving the needle? The, the, the team diagnostic survey, I call it a team health check, does that. So it's, it's pretty powerful. Um, but the leaders don't, they, they wanna stick to process. They wanna stick to delivery they don't see the value of learning about the conditions, taking the time to do the real coaching. I uh, had a morning session with, with a uh, senior VP and he's explaining to me that two groups have tensions, but he wants the groups, they're, they're part of the same team. They're part of the same part of the organ, uh, program, but the two groups have a lot of tensions. And I'm like, well, before putting in an agile approach, maybe we should address the tensions. And he's like, no, 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 we, that's not our responsibility. <laughs> and like, yet, whose responsibility is that anyway? <laughs> and that's what I explained to him. I said, you, you've hired me to help you do a transformation. It has to go beyond process. So when you say systemic coaching, uh, are you referring to some specific school of coaching or would you recommend if, they, if somebody is like interested from the listeners into systemic coaching, where they should go? Yes. So it is one of the, the, the great wonders that I was, I was introduced to also about eight years, seven years ago. And it's very popular in, in Europe. It's not as popular here in North America within the business realm constellation work. So when I say systemic coaching, there's two, two thoughts that I'm thinking of. Systems thinking, complexity thinking, complexity theory, and constellation work. And I think the future of real transformation work, because the I, I view the organizational landscape, agile is hitting ceilings, and what it can deliver and what it can be for people. And everyone is fatigued. And it's because we're missing the systemic coaching and the, the viewing of systems and how systems need to be in a healthy state. And so if there's a practitioner that I, I went and practiced under, he does business uh, constellation work, um, John Whittington, have you heard of John? No. So 
John would be great to have to go ahead and invite him next year to talk. Nice, we'll do that. He's out of the UK. Um, he he's very founded in taking the work of Hellinger, Bert Hellinger from Constellation Work. He actually teaches practitioners such as myself to move it into the business realm. And like you talk about mergers and acquisitions, most mergers and acquisitions we know don't do very well because they don't take the time to do the systemic work to bring two entities together. I integrate it with my agile transformation work whenever possible. You have to, you have to be invited to do the work. It's not something a lot of leaders walk around going, I want to expose myself to constellation work. So I use words like 3D mapping. Let's map. Let's go ahead and see, see what the system, you know, I introduced the whole idea concept of the team as an entity, right? Or stakeholders that are not in the room as an entity. We need to hear their voice. And the systemic coaching enables that. So when you bring that systemic coaching into the organization, what it will do to the organization? What's the change? When I have been able to use it and actually practice it with teams, I see people who don't talk or collaborate with each other. All of a sudden you walk in and the entire energy of where they work and how they work shifts. Anytime I've done exercises, with time and, and place, it always helps teams just all of a sudden, it, there's just this massive shift. I don't try to explain it. It just happens. Again, it's not something that I am able to do all the time because most of the work in North America revolves around process and delivery. So what was the highest impact? Like, can you share some story, like uh, where it worked, but you were uh, like, welcome to do this work and what it do to the organization? Like, what was the shift about? So we hear some success. Well, the, the, the most vivid is um, I, actually, I actually had a senior engineer that thought all of the work I did was fluffy, turned to me and say, Serge, you know, I, I kind of thought it was weird and, but, I have to say, whatever you did has made a huge difference for the teams. And these were two teams where it was a merger and acquisition. The team that was in the company I was working for went and acquired a team that had been together for over 20 years. The people that worked at that company were, it was like a family and they were close and they had gone through multiple uh, phases of funding over the years. They had been acquired and then sold and acquired. And these people, they just, they were very senior. And here a global company came and acquired them. And the internal team's technology was, was the complete opposite. Young people, um, you know, still just starting out in their journey of being developers as a team. And it, the first two, three months, they were very challenged and the company was going through an agile transformation. So they wanted, they, they asked me to help the teams adopt certain practices, frameworks. And, 
And it was like, people weren't talking to each other. And people were going off, taking items from the backlog and changing the requirements because they felt like it and just making decisions without the team really being involved. So at the end of a sprint or at before a release, it was chaos. Um, and that's and, and that becomes very disrespectful, right? There's a lot, it creates more tension. So I used a couple of exercises around time and place. And I could go into those details, but, um, but what happened was I fundamentally set up the activity. They did the exercises. I stepped away because they started engaging in front of me. And the following week, people were, the challenges they had come to me with completely dissolved. Yeah, it's like uh, so fascinating how the, if you invest in the building relationship, how everything is then much easier and much better collaboration. Yeah, yeah. It's it at the end of the day, it's not technology is a problem. It's not, oh, you know, this process isn't doing it right. At the end of the day, is how are we collaborating? How are we communicating? And to go full circle, that was that I got tired of seeing teams and organizations hit these ceilings and, and go into these mindless you know, activities of, oh, well, we have to go to stand-up, so I'll go to stand-up, and we have to do that, you know, just like robots. And it's really about people. And how do we form the relationship, establish norms that allow us to do the best work we can ever do? And that's where the 16 conditions come into play. So it's coaching by design mm -hmm. of the conditions and not coaching of process. It's not that you, you, you need both, you need both. Makes sense, yeah. So I would like to turn a little bit more personal. So can you share with us something? What was your biggest learning on your agile journey? Well, we just talked about. I have to say that I was at a point where I was getting very disillusioned with the state of enterprise level agility. And I was, because I was a scrum master at the time and I was hitting, I was constantly experiencing what I had moved away from, which was the traditional program management role. And I was like, this is not the life I want to live. And then I was at a boot camp and I experienced constellation work. And that was the biggest doorway for me that then led into team coaching. Um, another great uh, team coach, systemic coach, Peter Hawkins out of the UK. Phenomenal. He understands systems and system coaching at a profound level. But that was, that was the, the biggest like aha moment for me. And I was able to move away from just doing operations, being involved in operations. People aspect, that's always cool. So how is it different? You've been, seems to be working a lot in uh, Europe as well. So how would you compare the two like continents? So let's, let's maybe uh, frame it a little differently. I have found, I, I looked the other day, where are all my thought leaders coming from? 
the ones that I truly, truly respect, follow their thinking, follow their journey of growth, their organizations, because these the, the thought leaders I follow are practitioners. I feel like there's more pragmatic, uh, agile in Europe. And this is just my perspective. Again, it's very small. Um, but when I speak to people about agile or the mindset or high-performing teams, I find a much more open and broader perspective than here in North America. And here in North America, I've encountered more of a scarcity mindset than in Europe. And so I think it's just that I've, I've the people I've met, the practitioners I've met, they're not just academic theorists. They're not people that just go out and do training. And that, that starts bumping up against some of my integrity of where's the pragmatic use of going into an organization, having a boot camp, and not being able to leverage what you share pragmatically. And that happens a lot here. And, I, and I'm sure it happens in Europe. There's an openness. There's more of a curious mindset. And maybe it's just me, my experiences. So I have a last question for you for today, and that's future looking. So what do you think is the future of Agile? You know, Agile Manifesto 2001, Agile shifted from that time a lot significantly, I would say now, look, at least 20 plus years ahead. What do you think is coming? That's so on Agile. Let's think 20 years ahead. All right, well, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> How on Agile? Um, why, don't, why don't we talk about, so this is the beauty, why don't we talk about what patterns am I recognizing that perks my interest, that I find very interesting to start thinking of, how do I take all my experiences and knowledge that I've gained and learned and tried and, and apply it to what I'm seeing emerging? Have you um, heard of DAOs or Web3? Um, DAOs being, uh, let me see if I get this right, that it's, it's a distributed autonomous organization. So I start thinking about like, wow, that design of an organization, how does that design adopt anything in agile space? Yeah, decentralized autonomous organizations. And to me, that's, that's emerging. And so it's interesting to see where will, where will that go and influence where Agile goes. Um, the other area is, is around, you know, there's been a lot of talk for quite a while about, oh, how do we shift the, the operating system of an organization? That's just a way to visualize how do we really, you know, organizations have been working a certain way for so long and it's not working anymore. Our world is too complex, right? So how, how do we start bringing in practices that shifts the operating system of the organization, then use Agile as a conduit for that? Another area that I see a lot more leveraging is, have you heard of a topic called dialogic? 
dialogue. There's another example now I'm thinking of it. Europeans are much more integrating dialogue, the framework of dialogue into agility and into organizational change than here in the United States. And I find that I am leveraging more and more a dialogic approach to transformation. I really like your idea about that decentralized yeah. autonomous organization. That sounds really cool. So um, maybe that's what the future brings and that's gonna be fun. Maybe, yeah, maybe. It's, I just started kind of learning about it. So thank uh, you very much for your time. It was my pleasure to have you here and see you in Prague in September. I look forward to that, Susie, and meeting you face to face. And thank you for inviting me to uh, have this conversation. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agile Way podcast hosted by Susie Shukova, author of the Great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. If there is any topic you are particularly interested in and would like to hear another episode on it, let me know. For more information about me and my Agile classes, visit our website sochova.com, S-O-C-H-O-V-A.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.